going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. You an embarrassment to the game of pool, and should be glad I even let you play at my table. And welcome <laughs> to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys. By the fans, that is us. Not that, the only Phoenix Suns podcast. Not the definitely, definitely <laughs> not the only Phoenix Suns podcast. As always, intro and outro music provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over at OceansOverAirplanes.com. Make sure to give myself a follow on Twitter. I'm Justin. I'm at So Says Jay and Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at FanTheFlamesNBA. And if you are listening on iTunes, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, rate, review, and we may read your review in the episodes in the future. Five stars. Five stars. So, on this week's episode, with the season officially underway, we will discuss, of course, the Suns' opening night win over the Dallas Mavericks, 121-100, to in front of a rocking crowd at... Talking Stick Resort Arena? Is that what it is? I always get them confused. All the different Indian casinos that we have naming our various stadiums. I was really hoping they were just going to drop the R and just call it Talking Stick Arena because then we could just call it TSA. TSA, there you go. You know, that would have been, you know, make a lot of airport jokes. And it would make a lot of sense because over the past eight seasons, every Suns fan that has walked (laughs) in there has felt violated. (laughs) Yeah? All right. Okay, so... On top of that opening night win, we will possibly also get into some news that Gambo broke the other day. And, you know, Ryan McDonough, he may be gone, but he is not forgotten. And what Gambo brought up uh, recently is that apparently that draft day trade that ended up landing Mikhail Bridges on the Phoenix Suns could have been the very same trade yet landing Shy Gildress Alexander from Kentucky, who had a pretty decent debut the other day for the Los Angeles Clippers. Yes. That and perhaps much more on this episode of Fanning the Flames. (laughs) After this spiritual break. Right. So, okay. Right into it. Opening night win. Again, Suns beat the Dallas Mavericks 121-100 here in Phoenix. You know, it's a big, big difference from last year's opening night where the Suns suffered the worst opening night loss in NBA history. It's been a lot, a lot different than the last couple of years. Right. Well, this is, in fact, the first opening night win for the Suns since 2014-2015 season when they defeated the Los Angeles Lakers uh, in their first game. So it has been a while since we have felt the feeling of an opening night win. And what a win it was. And what a win it was. They made some history, history that's better than last year's history. That's Good, history. Sure. No. Good history. Good <laughs> history. In a couple of different ways. One being a team way. The second being an individual way. The first one, as perhaps you folks listening at home or in your car or in your office could ascertain, it was the 19 for 34 the Suns shot from three-point range. That matched an NBA record for the most threes in a season opener, according to at Fox Sports AZ. And, you know, it's a lot different than what we're used to seeing from the Suns as of late. Last season, they were the worst three-point shooting team in the league. This preseason weren't looking very good. The team collectively shot 43 for 149, which is 28.8%. Just getting all the bad ones out, just kind of like hitting the range before you play golf. That looks like what they did (laughs) because they flipped the switch entirely in this opening game. And, you know, just on the 
topic of the preseason and how poorly the Suns shot the ball from three uh, during those five games, if you take out Ariza, Ariza, Anderson, and Kanan from the three-point shooting uh, totals, then the rest of the team shot 22 for 101, which is 21.7%. So, again, flip the switch entirely against the Mavs, going 19 for 34, 55.9% for you mathematicians out there. It's just okay. It's all right. Yeah, I'll take that. And everyone was hitting. Ariza was 5 for 9. Booker was 6 for 10. Jackson and Warren were 3 for 4 each. I mean, Kanan was 2 for 5, which is still 40% above average. Can't complain about that. But how about Paula? And I feel yeah. like this warrants some conversation. Yeah. Has TJ Warren learned to shoot the three-pointer? I don't know. I mean... I think the I think the three the three he made were corner threes, right? No, he made one from the wing. Did he make one from the wing? Because I remember he, the wing. I remember the fourth one was from the wing. I was like, that's a heat check shot right there. I'm pretty sure his second one was from the wing because okay. I remember thinking. And in case you all didn't know, Paul and I, of course, wouldn't miss the opening night of the DeAndre Ayton era. So we were there, sixteen rows up, center court, just. It was, enjoying it, was like, it soaking it in it's it like it's awesome. a perfect angle we weren't too close we had we we're close enough that we could kind of really see what was going on but we weren't so close that we like didn't really get a good angle on like the court right exactly yes totally you don't want to get too close to those basketball courts no anyway uh what were we talking about oh i don't know has the the three-pointer the, se- yes. the second three-point attempt and maybe my my memory is failing me here but as i recall the second three-pointer that he hit was from the wing because i remember thinking whoa that's not the corner and he still <laughs> made it so i think and paul i'm gonna let you speak at some point during this episode hopefully i will i i think all suns fans were shocked to see warren hit the first one <laughs> I think they were all even more shocked to hit the, see him hit the second one. And they just fell out of their chairs. The, on the third, third one, one. <laughs> I, almost, I almost vomited from excitement. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, it was definitely very surprising. And then to see that continue later with, with Jackson hitting shot, hitting some big threes in the fourth quarter for, for the Suns. So it was, a, it was really nice to kind of see that come. Hopefully it's not an aberration. Obviously three for four is probably going to be an aberration. But at the same time, if they're at least average to above average shooters, like that's a huge win for the Suns. Um, and I mean, everybody's probably going to come down to earth a little bit to an extent. I mean, we can't shoot 19 for what was it? 19 for what? Uh, I lost my, lost my note. 34, 34. I was, I didn't, I was getting confused with the number of assists, which is another thing we should talk about, which is, that's all. It's a great number. Was they were thirty five for forty nine, or no thirty? It was thirty five. They had assist, There were thirty five assists, and they made forty four baskets. Forty nine. Look baskets. at that. That is impressive, Paul. Right off the top of your head, that is absolutely correct. Thirty five so assists all on forty four made shots. After the last couple of years, where it's just it's just been iso ball. Essentially, there were, the ball did not move around. You're looking at 35 assists on 44 shots. That's that's insane. That's like almost seven. Is that more than 75 percent? I'm the mathematician here, and that's more than 75 percent. Yes, it is. And <laughs> mm-hmm. on 
on the on their made baskets were assisted by somebody, and that and it wasn't just like we had a Steve Nash back in the day go for like twenty assists. No, this is like we had four guys who had over six assists on in the starting lineup. That's that's insane. Right, and and three three guys had seven. Right, and then one guy had six. Ariza, Kanan, and Booker each had seven, and who had six? Your boy, DeAndre Ayton. Which leads us right into the next record. I guess it's a record. There was there was a, a historical achievement. How about that? Uh, DeAndre Ayton and I heard. I think I might have heard this on Doug and Wolf perhaps this morning. But DeAndre Ayton was the first rookie to go for 18 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists. Or at least go for at least 18, 10, and 6 in their NBA debut. And you think about some of the guys that are out there who are known for, well, being able to do all three facets like that. DeAndre Ayton's not the first name that would pop up. Now, no. I, I, he showed flashes during Summer League and during the preseason and while he was at U of A of his ability to see his options on the court and get the ball to the right guy. But I don't think anybody anticipated him having six assists in, in his opening game. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, to caveat that a little bit, I don't think it wasn't like he was like winging passes around. It was like, I think a lot of them were like dribble handoffs and things like that. And just guys were on fire. So he like was able to like get those assists off that. But at the same time, I mean, it was talked about in the preseason during training camp that Aiton, um, Koshkov wants Aiton to be a facilitator. So, I mean, this is a good start for that. So, I mean, a lot of what we saw last last night um, on Wednesday was a good start for the season. It's nice to kind of see that everything's gelling together. It seems to be gelling pretty well, especially with this is really the first time Booker has been in a game situation with with these guys and he fit in pretty well. I mean, there's a little bit of kinks here and there, but I mean, he definitely fit in and worked within the offense. I mean, maybe a little bit in that fourth quarter, he was kind of going for his a little bit, but at the same time, that's what that's he was, what he was getting his too. So he that's what go stars for his all, do. All, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of like I mean, that used to be what they would talk about with like Chris Paul. It's like their first three and a half quarters, he makes sure everybody else is involved. He's like, okay, now it's my turn, and then he would just close it out. And that's what you want to see from your star star guys, particularly those star wings who when they know you know, if a game starts to get close and they're like, Oh nope, time to shut it down. And which is exactly what Booker did. The game the Suns had, had a pretty comfortable lead for most of the game. I mean they took the lead in like the first two minutes or so, like when the when the score was like I think under five points. Like they took the lead within before they even hit five points and never gave it up for the course of the game, which I don't remember the last time that happened. Right. I, I, I don't either. And I'm looking here and yeah, the Suns, the, 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 the Mavs scored the first basket. Mm-hmm. Suns tied it and then mm-hmm. took the lead on an and one from Aiton. And then never gave it up. And then never gave the lead up. That is correct. So, um, and where was I going with that? Oh, so for, and then for the game, they actually had a pretty decent lead. I mean, it was always in like, it was in the high, like just under 10 points or I think got upwards close to 20. I don't think they ever got over 20. I but think they got to 18. 18. It was 10 at the end of the first quarter, 10 at halftime. And the Mavs did cut it to 
single digits early in the fourth and then got it down as, as close they, as four. They got it to four. And then that's and then it was when, booger time. Exactly. That, that's exactly what happened. And, you know, just and, – and we'll jump into – we'll get into Booker's fourth quarter because that <laughs> fourth quarter was ridiculous. Redonkulous. But the I will, I will point out a couple of negatives that I saw with DeAndre Ayton only because, I mean – your objective. I'm ob- yes, I'm just proving <laughs> my objectiveness here. Uh, the there was one play where Doncic got that got a layup, and yeah. it was kind of a, you know, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like a garbage bucket. The ball mm-hmm. was just kind of out there, and Aiden had a chance to go up and contest, and he just kind of let him go. And it's kind of, dude, that was you, you were. You, there was this debate all summer. You know all about it. That dude's coming up, going up for theoretically he could have dunked it, but he didn't, but he's going up for an easy basket like that. You're there. Get up there, body him up. He's trying to preserve the thousand dollars that Don owes him. You know, he didn't want him to get accidentally injure him and not have money and not be able to pay him back thousand dollars. Is this a real thing? Or <laughs> yeah, Don owes him a thousand bucks from did, a game of ping pong. I have never heard that during summer league. Apparently that's outstanding. <laughs> I'm guessing that's been paid by now. No, Oh, did he say that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he was like talking to him like in the game, like going, dude, you owe me a thousand bucks. So so Doncic <laughs> has a horrible, horrible tiger tattoo. He parks like an asshole. And he was and a welt. He doesn't pay up on bets. <laughs> Is there anything else we didn't know about the guy, plus seeing his performance opening night, to know that we took the right guy as the Phoenix Suns <laughs> and picking Aiton? I know, overreaction central there. I'm yeah. I'm being facetious, but yes. um and the other thing with Aiton, I, I feel like he got into a couple of uh, spots in the game where he had good post-up position, a couple instances where he was being bodied up by a smaller guy, which is but going to be like pretty West normal Matthews for him. Or yeah, like, and, and he didn't attack didn't take the as aggressively as I, as I would have liked him to. And in fact, one, as I recall, he took a turnaround kind of fadeaway jump shot, which he missed. And I'm not against him taking jumpers because obviously he can hit them. He hit a few in the game yesterday. But point being, when he's sitting there with a mismatch like that, just just barrel into the guy. Well, not into the guy, but use your body, use your strength, and get to the hoop as opposed to trying to take these finesse type shots. That that was that was definitely the one thing that I didn't see a lot from Aiton yet yesterday was there wasn't a lot of ferocity to his offensive game i just didn't i didn't feel it was a lot of more finesse mm-hmm. not that finesse is bad but we know he's got that in him i mean maybe maybe it's because they never really got a good fast break like that he could just like throw down a dunk with nobody around and just kind of get him in the in that mode because there weren't there weren't any like big dunks really i mean he had that one kind of near the end mm-hmm. but even still it wasn't like Right, he didn't like pull both knees up like Shaq yeah. used to do. I got you. Yeah, and maybe that's something. <clears throat> excuse me, that'll come as he gets more comfortable in the NBA and as he gets more comfortable in his game as well and in the right. offense and what have you. But at the end of the day, if you're telling me that Aiton's going to put up 18 and 10 for this season, and every now and then. Drop five, six dimes. Right. I'm all for that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the, I, I would I would have liked to see him try to contest some of those um, those things that you talked about, particularly because he only ended up with two fouls on the night. Right. So, I mean, he had fouls to give, so he could have, w- without getting himself into foul trouble, so he could have really kind of 
tried to assert his will a little bit on that defensive end there and just be like, hey, yeah, no, you can't get in here because I'm going to I'm either body you or I'm going to or I'm going to swat it out of the park. Right. And <clears throat> excuse me again, even even with some of the I'll call it passiveness that we did see out of out of Aiton, um, he still put in what I think is a good defensive game. The thing that I continue to be very impressed by, and we had mentioned this possibly summer league or maybe it was during the preseason, but is, is his ability to use his verticality. Right. So many players have a difficult time, big guys even, coming forward with those arms and, and you get called, you get those fouls called on you when you do that. And, and he is excellent just being straight up and down. And if a guy's going to make a shot over him because he's not in a position to block, all he can do is get his hands up. If the guy's going to make it, then the guy's going to make it. Right. Um, but and, and, and I think the Doncic thing was probably because he indeed was trying to avoid getting the fouls. But I, I agree with you. Use the fouls. You've got them. Use them, especially in the right situation. But at the right. same time, Doncic didn't use really, all of them. There but, wasn't really anything that Doncic needed to help cool him off or send a message to him because he was pretty, pretty atrocious. Um, five for 16, I believe, from the field overall. And I think only scored four points in the second half, something to that effect. And he looked, he looked tired. Right. Well, I mean, and... I have to give this to the Mavs in the sense they're one of the teams that went to China this year. Right. And every year we send some teams over to China and they always come back and they really struggle early in the season because that time change is just so drastic. It can just really throw them off and, and whatnot. And it's just, it's an exhausting trip. I mean, I understand the reason for it. I understand growing the league and whatnot, but it really does put, those teams who go over there for those exhibition games, those preseason games, at a bit of a disadvantage. And because you saw it across the board with Dallas. Dallas as a team did not shoot well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Doncic didn't shoot well. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. didn't shoot well. It seemed to me, I felt like Wesley Matthews shot pretty well. Because like every time I looked at Wesley Matthews, he was like hitting his shot. Four for ten, two for seven from deep. Okay. I guess not. It just seemed like it felt like he was. Or maybe I was mixing him and another player together. It kind Finney, of looked similar. Finney Smith. Finney Smith. He was four for seven, two for five from deep. So maybe that's who you're thinking. Maybe, yeah. But um, they were, as a team, they were pretty flat. I don't, I would love to attribute that to the Suns' defense. But I think, and... I think that was a part of it because I think they played pretty solid D as a team. I mean, yes... Booker, Aiton, some of the other guys, everybody has lapses. Um, and But I feel it felt like the team as a whole was able to cover up for individual players' deficiencies pretty well. But at the same time, I'm, ca- I'm caveating that with, I feel like some of that was on the Mavs and they came in sluggish, mm-hmm. which allowed the Suns to look a little better than they were. But they shot really well and there's only so much, and like I give that to the Suns. I think that that was really much more so them because they in the preseason they took just as many shots and just didn't make them <laughs> right and, <laughs> and and you know they were getting some open looks but they were also hitting contested shots i mean at least one maybe two of tj's threes were contested uh, i know a couple of bookers were contested so it's not like they were just getting constantly getting easy looks they were getting some easy looks but it wasn't just wide open it, jumpers it wasn't all a layup lines um and you know to your point about the china thing just mm-hmm. a little tidbit of knowledge. I've, I've heard this from a friend of mine, but over the last like five years, I'm not sure how many years, but the 
teams that have traveled to China now after this Suns-Mavs game because the Mavs were, well, the Suns were favored and then it swung hard towards the Mavs and the Mavs ended up at game time being one and a half point favorites. But the in the last, like I said, few years, the teams that have gone to China in their opening games are one and nine against the spread. Yeah. So that goes to your point and... Let's say a friend of mine might have had a significant amount of money on that game last night. Was very happy that they <laughs> found that tidbit of information beforehand. So, at any rate, um, you know those are the only two negative things, if you can really call them all that negative. Because as as a whole, DeAndre Ayton played a very very solid game. It's a nice debut. Great debut. Um, exactly what you know we were we were hoping to see, and taking that win home is makes it even sweeter. Uh, and the last point on Ayton. As you pointed out before we started recording, Paul, he was the first son to get a double-double in his rookie debut since Sean Marion way back when. Yeah. Not even, not that I can think of a whole lot of guys that would have done it, but Mari Stoudemire did. Yeah, I mean, Grant rebounds wasn't his thing. Yeah. Alex Len didn't do it. No, no, he didn't. Um, but yeah, so I think... I'd like to probably move on a little bit. I know you said we'll talk to it a little bit later, but I think it's time to talk about Devin Booker. That's what I was literally just doing. Because, I mean, that's the story. Didn't I mean, you notice how I kind of was wrapping up that I part was, of it? I said it was yeah. the last tidbit of information on it, and then... But go we're on, still Paul. Re- we're rusty on the transitions. Please hop into Devin Booker. I think this this game, I'm thinking when we look back at Devin Booker's career, this game, I think, is going to be a turning point. Whoa. From a national understanding of how good he is. Because as Suns fans, we've seen it. We understand. We we watch it. We know it's more than just a looter and a riot. We know it's more than just a guy getting garbage minutes, getting garbage buckets. We know that he had, he is at times can be the best and is the best player on the floor. And he was clearly the best player on the floor last night. And he showed it. And he showed that killer instinct at the end. And, you know, we're at that point. Everybody seems to think that this is the year that the Suns are going to start that upward curve. And a lot of that is coming from Booker taking that next step. He's going to be, he's going to truly take that superstar step. And I think this may be the start of that. He, and it was done on a national stage on on essentially opening night for like you know you have this first it's called opening night for the NBA but it's really three days right right <laughs> and they get through pretty much everybody gets their first game those first three days because there's just a lot of national games the Suns were, because they had the number one pick they got one of those marquee games on national TV and Booker showed out and I think when we look back on it. This is when a lot of that national media who has been negative, they're going to be like, this is where he changed. This is, it was that season, that game. And then it's also going to be just the casual fan is going to be like, oh, hey, the Suns are interesting. Mm-hmm. And that Booker kid, he's, he is something. Right. And, and you know, that was, we talked about it already. That was the most fun that I've had. And it's I'm sure you've had DeAndre a Suns had. game in a very, very long time. And I think that narrative will spread that the Suns are a fun team to watch. I mean, they've showed up in some of those preseason lists. 
like the league pass teams. Yeah, like who's going to, even though they're going to be bad, they're going to be fun to watch. Well, if they keep shooting and playing like they did last night, maybe they won't be as bad as everyone's thinking. But right. we're getting ahead of ourselves, obviously. But, yes. you know, to. You can't get much more small sample size theater than one. Right. Yeah, that's. <laughs> We could, I guess we could have gone with just the first quarter, but that would seem irresponsible. Uh, speaking to what tip. Booker did, though, 35 points, four rebounds, seven assists. Did that on an efficient 12 of 19 shooting, six for 10 from deep, and five for six from the line. Uh, the, the thing I want to focus on with him is that fourth quarter. Right. Because uh, it was huge. It was, it was huge. Points. It was insane. It was redonkulous, as you said. And, and keep in mind, he got into foul trouble in the third. So he came out of the game with 5.09 left in the third quarter. And at that point, the Suns were up by 12. Yeah. He came back into the game with 8.44 left in the fourth. And the Suns were still up. They were up eight. And just as an aside, the fact that the Suns went, what, what is it, eight and a half minutes of game time there towards the end without Booker in, and the Mavs only cut in that lead by four, and I get it, it's the Mavs, but still, I think that's a good sign when it comes to the rest of the team kind of perhaps getting to that point. I wouldn't caveat it's the Mavs that much because when you look at a lot of the um, preseason analysis, a lot of team, a lot of pundits were looking at the Mavs, and I think a lot of this has to do with the um, NBA hipster guys who are super into Doncic, Mm -hmm. basically saying he's coming in and he's, a pro and he's going to walk into this and it's basically just like adding a three-year vet to your team who is just going to walk in and just be part of the game, part of the system and not have to go through the rookie struggles. And they're like, you know, on paper, they're like, Oh, this is pretty interesting. They brought in Deandre Jordan. Dennis Smith may make a, make a leap. Doncic is just going to run rough shot over the league and they can actually, they may actually compete for a playoff spot. Right. So it's not like, oh, you're the way you said it's the it's the Mavs. It's like you're saying it's the Kings. That's I don't think that's kind of I think there's a little bit of a distinction in the perception of what that team is supposed to be. Okay, so that's, you're saying the perception. How good do you think they actually are? I think. And keep in than, mind also that they didn't have Harrison Barnes last night. They did not have Harrison Barnes last night. Did not have Dirk. Right. I think yeah. they're definitely better than how they played and I think if you give them a well, few sure. weeks to kind of get reacclimated and maybe get a good night's sleep once or twice point my point being it's not like this was occurring against Golden State right. or I don't want to say well, the it Lakers. might on Saturday or, or <laughs> Portland I'll say Portland because Portland smacked the crap out of the Suns twice during the preseason this is but, true yeah but at, at any rate you know they, they maintained that lead at least to an extent even without Booker on the court and you know I just we were watching the Portland Laker game as we're recording and I was listening to it on the way over here and just by way of example LeBron came out with 322 left in the first quarter of that game and the Lakers were up five at that point by the end of the quarter they were down three and again, right. it's Portland. They're a better team than Dallas. But that Laker team wasn't able to keep a lead over three minutes. Right. Suns over eight and a half minutes gave up you know, half the points that the Lakers gave up in terms of, of point swings. So hopefully that's a sign of the team as a whole not necessarily having to rely on Booker and still be able to yeah, play I mean, at a competitive level even without a, him. As a whole, I thought they played really well. I mean, and we can get into the rest of the guys unless there's anything else we want to hit on about Booker. 
Oh, I'm, I, I got some more stuff. Okay. Booker. Yeah, please, why, why, please. Why are you so quick please. to move off of Booker? Stop being like the national pundits and disrespecting him, Paul. I'm How not dare disrespecting you? him. You j- Absolutely. I'm almost, I'm, I'm angry now. Now I'm angry. Jeez. Okay, I'm cool. Booker, in that fourth quarter, again, he came in with 844 left in the game. From there on, went six for six from the field, including four for four from deep. Uh, one of the non-three-pointers he had was an and-one that he converted, and then he finished it with three for four from the line over that, that period of time, getting fouled on a three-point attempt. He added a couple of assists and a rebound down there for, for uh, you know, just good measure. And ultimately, I, I, I agree with you. I think it was a coming-out party for him. I don't know that it's going to be a necessarily turning point. I think it was one game, and the negativity associated with him from the national media and the pundits uh, is so strong that it's not going to flip on a switch like that. Well, I'm not saying it's going to flip. I'm just saying when we look back on it, that's going to be the point where it started. Oh, okay. That, that's what I'm saying is like, that's the point when like those pundits who have been negative on him are going to be like, Oh yeah, that was actually like, you know, that's the, it's going to build from there. He's going to be consistent. He's going to be at that next level of whatever that is for him. And because I think because they finally have a team around him and you can see that he's not just a good stats, bad team guy. Mm-hmm. Cause he actually has a solid team of vets and other young players who are actually working to achieve their potential. Unlike some of the previous young players he's played with. And that when we look back on it in like one or, or two or three years, when they start doing those retrospective pieces of, oh, yeah, everybody thought he was going to he was like this guy who just got stats on bad teams and wasn't actually very good. And like, oh, now he's a three time all star mm-hmm. and, you know, is in the co- hopefully in the conversation for the MVP. You know, I'm really getting ahead of myself I love here. It. I love, I love. But they're the gonna look back at it, and it's gonna be that this optimism. season. It's this season, and it starts with that nationally televised game where he just showed everybody who's boss. Okay, I got you. I won't, I won't disagree with you entirely there. So, but you know, in terms of Booker and having that killer instinct, he went through a span in that fourth quarter where he scored 14 points in a row for the Suns. Nobody else scoring for him. And he really was looking to get his. And like we said earlier, that's not a bad thing when he's doing what he was doing last night. Right. I mean, the, the guy was unconscious. He walked into the fourth quarter saying, oh, good. I had four fouls. I got eight and a half minutes of rest. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm fresh again. And, and he, he delivered. He, he put that game away. And I think on top of that, in terms of closing that out, that's something that we haven't seen the Suns will really need to do in a long time, but definitely not something they've done even in wins last year where they're really closing it out with, with authority. And over the last five minutes of the game, the Suns outscored the Mavs 22-6 to and held them scoreless for the last 203. And that's the kind of stuff that when it comes to a team that's trying to improve, one thing that they need to be able to do is close out games and not choke things away. You don't want to be the San Diego Chargers of the NBA, if you will. And I say San Diego on purpose because I feel like all those issues with finishing games were much worse when they were in San Diego than the last year and a half in L.A. <laughs> but, or maybe it's just more of a history, but you get the analogy <laughs> get, that I'm trying point, to draw. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely the uh, being the not getting beaten, but losing your losing the game because of your own mistakes. Right, right, exactly. And and the Suns did a great job last night down the stretch, maintaining well, extending that lead significantly, and giving the fans that were in attendance quite quite the show because. In the Suns games I've been to over the past few years, I have not heard that arena that loud. Yeah, it was... Not even close. It it was probably the most fun basketball experience I've had in a long time. Like, I remember the last time I jumped out of my seat when somebody hit a three. You, you, you did jump a few times. I saw it. Yeah. It was impressive. Didn't think you had it in you. Uh, I mean, Booker was getting MVP chance at the <laughs> yeah. end of the game. That was great. <laughs> that was talk about us talking about premature. That was a little right. premature, but hey, hey. <laughs> what have the Suns fans had to cheer about for the past eight years? Nothing. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so give it to us. We we will take it. MVP chance all around. I, I I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it was it was a, a really good experience, and like the energy was I felt just watching the game I never felt nervous like the entire game like you know sometimes you're sitting maybe when it got down to four you weren't like ooh maybe it's just, maybe it's because my friend had so much money on the game is why there were nerves there <laughs> for me I, I was worried about him that could be it no I, I never I never really felt nervous I think to be honest I was so busy watching the back and forth, I wasn't paying attention to the score. I didn't realize it got down to four mm. until I looked up and like, and then Booker starts going. Right. Like I didn't notice it had gotten down to four until Booker just until like right before Booker started going off. And so before I get, let the nerves get into me, he was taking us to the finish line. Right. No, I, I got you. That make, that makes sense. I can see because it was an exciting even, score yeah. aside. It was a very exciting game, especially yeah. in that fourth quarter. There was a lot of action going. I mean. The Suns put up 38 points in that fourth quarter. Yeah, I can't. It's to be honest, I admit I'm addicted to my phone and I was only really looking at my phone on breaks. Right. And I was really kind of surprised in that because I previous games, I guess a lot of times that's because I'm there at a certain point. You're kind of there out of obligation. (laughs) You know, you're there. You know, the Suns have lost. You kind of lost your interest. So you're just kind of like, oh, I'm here. <laughs> Might as well finish this game out, even though this or is le- painful. At least get in like five minutes left in the fourth. <laughs> right. There you go. You like don't... traditional, like leaving the game time. But it was just so much fun. And I'm so glad we made that impulsive buy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but we, take a package. So, so we, yeah, we ended up impulsively <laughs> buying a ticket package, a partial season ticket package yesterday. And when we did that, they're like, oh, you get free tickets to the Mavs game. We're like, all right, all right. let's do this. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that might have been the best impulsive decision I've made in a very long time. And most of my decisions are impulsive. So, you know, yeah. it's good. Um, who else do you want to talk about, Paul? You said you wanted to get into some other players. I will give you the floor. You talk about these other players as much as you want as soon as I stop continuing on with this unnecessarily long transition. <laughs> well, <laughs> with that... I would like to talk about the first player that comes to mind for me outside of Booker and Aiton with this unnecessary long continuation of that transition, which would be Josh Jackson. Okay. There was a lot of concern in the preseason, but again, I think there was a little bit of concern for the team as a whole. Um, 
just that, you know, that maybe that improvement, even with all the changes, it, there wasn't really going to be that improvement there. Granted, they were without Booker, and I think Booker as a cog to the team makes things run so much better. Mm-hmm. But Jackson played so well as that third banana. I mean, yeah, he was coming off the bench, but I mean, he was distributing the ball pretty well. I mean, he didn't obviously didn't get six, seven assists like the, the starter guys, but I think he had he had three. He had three. Yes. So I mean, he had he had a couple assists. He had some. He shot really well. Shot nice and really efficiently, both from deep. Obviously, he shot seventy five percent from deep. That's not going to sustain, but. It's definitely a nice start to the season, but he was was seven for eleven from the floor. Yes, sir. How many rebounds did he have? I don't remember. He that one. had two rebounds. Yeah, he, he, we need to get him to be better about the rebound thing. Can you talk about that chase down block though? I can. It was excellent. I mean, I think he had lost it on the steal, right? It was nasty, is what it, it was. was. Yeah, he lost it on the steal, and then he just flew down the court and basically flew over I think who had it was it was, Don, I, it was Dennis Smith Dennis Jr. Smith and just boom out out of the stratosphere right well he chased down a guy who's Are fast very fast probably yeah. one of the fastest guys in the league and it goes to show as as was tweeted out on at fan the flames NBA Josh Jackson does not like it when you steal from him <laughs> That's all I took from it, but no, that was, I mean, it's, it's very easy. It could be very easy for a guy if he doesn't have the right mental frame mm-hmm. in terms of playing the NBA, get, get the steal. They get the steal and you just sit there and go, shit, I just gave up a steal on an easy basket. Not Josh Jackson. He chases him down. <laughs> I wish he would have put it like a couple rows into the seats though. Cause he just right. spiked it down and right. they got it back and scored. But yeah, that, still was, that was the unfortunate part it, of it. Is I think was it? I think Doncic was trailing, and he was the one who was able to catch mm-hmm. it and get an easy layup because there's nobody else there. But he, I mean, he still made an amazing defensive player there, and um, as you said, that kind of shows his drive. I mean, obviously, he's only a second year player, and he's got some kinks to work out and just kind of settle things down a little bit. But I really think his role is as a third banana. I think that's really like kind of where he fits. His game is kind of designed to kind of fill in cracks. Mm-hmm. So like, so that works really well, particularly with the cracks that Aiton and Booker have. I think he can fill those in really well. And um, it, was re- it was a really nice start to the season. So I'm looking forward to seeing how, how and where that goes over the next, the next, the next, few weeks as like we really start to settle and see what this team is um and the other guy i think we really need to talk about is trevor ariza yeah i mean he was huge he, he was, was huge. instrumental in the suns having that lead in the first half he hit four i believe first half three pointers yeah um had a couple assists in the first half if not more i don't have yeah. the exact stats in front he, of me he, he was flirting with almost a with a triple double. I mean, he wasn't close, close, but I mean, he was like, what, uh, 21, eight and seven. He was 21, eight and seven. Indeed. Absolutely correct. So yeah, no, he definitely was, was flirting with that. And it seemed like he had, I want to say he had 14 or 15 at halftime. 
Yeah. And and obviously then didn't score as much in the second half. But like I said, he was instrumental in getting that lead up for the Suns mm-hmm. uh, because he was the guy who was, was open. Hot. Yeah, he, he was the guy who was open. There was the one fast break where Kanan, it was a two-on-one. Kanan was bringing it up. The defender committed to him. He just turned around, flipped it back to Ariza for an open three on, on a transition. A transition right. three is something that we're not used to seeing a whole lot of <laughs> the past few years. So, yeah, I think Ariza was absolutely huge. I mean, he did it on in all facets of the game. And when they really needed the points out of him, he was providing that there in the first two quarters. Right. I think a lot of people forget that he's more than just a spot-up shooter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like he's, you know, a completely well-rounded NBA player, but I mean, he can do more things than just be that spot-up shooter that he was in Houston, and he showed obviously showed that in this game. I mean, between the rebounds, between the assists, um, he dribbled a lot more than I expected him to. There are there are a handful of times I'm like, why is Ariza dribbling so much? But then he made good things happen. Right. So. It was definitely a good start to him for him as well, particularly because, I mean, yeah, he was one of the better shooters during preseason, but it was still kind of on the iffy side. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't up to his standards. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and ultimately, one thing I think that bears noting, and when we were leaving the game yesterday, listening to the post-game show, a caller had called in and brought up this point. I think it's a very good point, and that is, Ariza obviously stuffed the stat page there last night. He was instrumental in the Suns getting that win. But look aside. look, Put all that stuff aside. And if you want to think about something that exhibits his importance to a team, look what he helped the Suns do last night and look what happened to the Houston Rockets <laughs> last night. Yeah. 19-point loss, I believe it was, at it home. It wasn't great. To New Orleans. And New Orleans, all right. Good mm-hmm. team. You got some good players. But... I think you said earlier to me, Paul, that that was more points than the Rockets lost by any game at all last season, the yep. 19. And when you bring a team that has, I believe, the well, I guess it could also be the Carmelo thing. He seems to curse teams. So yeah. maybe, maybe let's call it a combination of both. We'll, we'll say that 10 of those points were attributed to Ariza not being there and nine were attributed to Carmelo being, being there. there. Well... I mean, how many would you want to attribute to uh, a freak Aminu? Oh, that's right. He's gone too. Yeah. Okay, we'll, well, okay we'll, we'll call it nine, nine, and eight. One. One? Yeah. I, <laughs> one, just, just easy. One to Aminu? Okay, fine. <laughs> Ten, five, and three. Okay. No, wait, four. <laughs> how many did they lose by? Which one are you putting to the Mello, though? Is that Whichever eight? the biggest one is? Oh, the, no, no. <laughs> the, yes. Well, no, I'm doing it by point loss. Point so, loss. So the smallest would be Mello. Okay. Anyway, tangent over. What were you saying? I don't know anymore. Okay. Anybody Is there anybody you want to talk about? Well, I wanted to talk about Ariza, and we kind of already did that. Yeah. So do you have anybody else that you want to talk about? I mean, no, Kanan I, showed pretty well, too. Kanan showed pretty well. Anderson didn't, Mm-mm. but I mean, I he will show up. There will be games where he's the guy who is the one who is hot, who is, you know, really the one stretching the floor, and who's a threat still. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had, I think he only took one three. Yep. So, I mean, and that, you know, he just got his activity in the flow of the offense. 
Yeah, he he didn't do a whole lot that stood out. At least not a whole lot that stood out that was good. Yeah. Uh, but he did still manage to get seven rebounds. And, you know, the thing I like about Kokoshkov, at least through this first game, is Anderson was obviously sh- struggling. He kind of seemed out of sorts throughout some of his time on the floor. And Kokoshkov didn't push it. He didn't keep Anderson in there just for the sake of keeping him in there because he played the fewest minutes of any of the starters. He only played 24 minutes. He played less minutes than Jackson, and he played the same amount of time as Warren. So maybe that's a good thing in terms of how the Suns are structured, where if you have a guy that's going to be struggling on a particular night, if his name's not Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, you have another piece that you can slide in there as Coach Kokoshkov because these guys are kind of interchangeable in that a lot of them can float from the three to the four, from the four to the three, from the two to the three, from the three to the two. To the one. To the one. (laughs) From the window to the wall. (laughs) So, again, you're right. Anderson will have those games where he's the hot hand. It wasn't last night, but so be it. If, If Anderson never gets hot and the Suns continue to play that way, then I really don't care. Yeah. I mean... You know what? I want to take an opportunity right now to okay. move off players. Because one thing we didn't have on the rundown, but I think we actually should talk about, is Kokoshkov. Okay. I thought he had an excellent game for his first game from a strategy perspective. A lot of his lineups, they were very intriguing to me. Like some of the, like the groupings that he put out there. I was like, oh, that, that's, that's an interesting combination. I wonder how that's going to work. I mean, there, there were some that I've been, like, those types of lineups that when we had the super young team that I was like super looking forward to last year that we didn't get as much as I kind of hoped, or they just weren't that successful just because the guys were too young and green. But I mean, at one point I think the the lineup was a Kobo Booker, Warren Jackson and Aiton. I mean, I remember that lineup because I remember you specifically going, Oh good. All the young guys are out there. (laughs) Yeah. And then there, there was another, there's another lineup that I remember being out there. It was, it was a weird lineup. But because it, it, I think it didn't have a lot of shooters. I think it was like Tyson and Jackson and Warren and Kanan. And I can't remember who else, who the fifth guy was because it wasn't like a star. It, you know, it wasn't Booker. It wasn't. It wasn't one of the guys. It wasn't one of the star. All those stars on the side. Yeah. Booker, it, it, what you're saying is it wasn't one of the guys that's going to give them a threat from the outside. Right. And that, and that was like that was an interesting decision as well. So it was. Is I think I think actually in that um, I mean, maybe it was a Reza, maybe it was Anderson because I think Jackson in the lineup was probably playing was playing the two at the time, so I was just that was really interesting to me as well. So I think he made a lot of moves just trying to kind of see some more lineups, see what works, see what doesn't. But at the same but at the same time, he knew kind of when like okay, time to this is enough of this, right? And and the the thing I really enjoyed watching was was that motion offense that kind of weave that they right. run at the top of the key because when you get the ball into it happened a couple times into Jackson's hands and a couple times into Booker's hands and they kind of get that corner coming off the top of the key yeah they've got nothing stopping them from the hoop Jackson and Jackson had at least two one of them was an and one and I think one of Booker's and ones might have been off of a play like that so. That type of offense, but then you see if it's not getting anywhere, they come right. out of it and 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 they go into a different you know a different. Uh, and, it, and it helps that Aiton can like show like prove that like that um, mid range jumper mm-hmm. that he has is solid. It, like it actually is a threat, unlike Alex Lenz, as we like to call it. It is wet. 
Booker's the one who has a wet shot, according to Drake. Um, <laughs> you better start talking about Aiden if Aiden keeps it up, man. You but, can talk about uh, both of them. <laughs> but that pulled Jordan out of the center as well, because, I mean, there were a handful of shots there where it's like, it's just a clear lane. Right. Right down the center. Nobody even bothered to, like, they made that corner and there's a pew, right, exactly. right to the basket, which is really nice to see that there's enough threats out there that is keeping the defense spread to allow that maneuverability in there to either to drive and kick, to drive and score, to just kind of make something happen. Right. All right. So last thing on that game, I think, unless you've got anything else, make it quick. Who is your player of the game? Let me, let me rephrase that. Who is your player of the game? Not named Devin Booker. Who's my player game? not, Not named Devin Booker. I mean, if we're gonna go that way, I'm actually gonna go with I. I gotta say Ariza. Mm-hmm. I mean, who did win Player of the Game according to Carl's Jr. or whatever that right. is, which kind of surprised me. But if you have if you caveat pulling out Devin Booker, it's definitely Ariza. Yeah, and I'm not even going to go any further into that conversation because I'm going to agree with you. I think it was absolutely for all the reasons we already discussed. The fact that he's really the one who was very instrumental in getting the Suns that lead initially. I, I think absolutely it was Ariza and, and just because of everything he did and all the stats he put up in oh, the game. Actually, there's one more thing I did want to uh, mention because on my drive home tonight, I was listening to, I obviously, we're, we do a Suns podcast. I listen to a lot of NBA podcasts. And it's actually been kind of fun today because a lot of the NBA podcasts that are out there we're talking about the Suns right. positively, which was refreshing. There were no Snickers. But one thing that on the pod I was just listening to uh, when I drove home, the uh, Ringers uh, NBA show, I was their um, uh, group chat, and they were talking about what they thought was interesting was the one guy, uh, Chris Ryan, said, the Suns are what the Wolves hoped to be. When they brought in the vets mm-hmm. to kind of like help guide these young guys, because and then they were talking about how like there was a point um, where there was a shot of the bench and Jamal Crawford, who's not even playing yet because he hasn't. I mean, he cleared too late to really be inserted. He's sitting there and he's talking to Bridges and Aiton because Aiton was out of the game at the time, and like just clear, you can tell he's clearly instructing them like, okay, this right. is what went wrong. And both of them are like just soaking it up. They're not just like listening to just listen. I agree. It's also the first game and we'll see how that goes. 60 games into the season, if they're still paying attention or not. But it was really nice. Good to see that the kids want to learn. Right. And you have, and you also have guys who are there who want to teach. They're not just there like, Oh, I'm the vet. I'm getting a check. I'm actually here to help these guys and get them to learn this game. Right. No, absolutely. And I mean, I've since last season when <coughs> we were talking about the potential of the Suns getting Aiton and everything, I, I've always preached the idea of having Chandler there and wanting to keep Chandler if the Suns end up with Aiton because that gives Aiton a fantastic mentor when it comes to. Particularly on the defensive end. Exactly. I was going to say when it comes to the defensive end and when it comes to the NBA life in general. Now you bring in. Trevor Ariza, who can accomplish the same type of tutelage for these young guys and obviously is performing at a very high level still. Right. Great. And then Jamal Crawford. A lot of people scratch their head at that signing. I was one of them. 
But if you think about it from the perspective that you just brought up, it makes some level of sense because he's a guy that's going to come in. Perhaps he can still contribute. To, he will it, still it, contribute to some extent and gives that positive feedback, that direction to the younger guys. If he buys into the motion offense, I think he can actually be much better than anticipated. Because, I mean, everybody knows what he can do as, like, a one-on-one player. He's mm-hmm. one of the best dribblers in the NBA, even still. And they know he can sh- – you can know he can shoot it from deep. I mean, he's never been the most efficient guy, but that's, I think, because he makes the game harder for himself. Right. But if he buys into the motion offense and, just, and with, like, a lot of these guys doing, like, catch and shoots or, like, dribble handoffs, mm-hmm. things like that, where he just gets efficient looks, I think – He's just one more threat out there on that court that they have to that teams have to account for. Right. Gotta gotta account for him, gotta prep for him, gotta make sure you know where he is at all times. So all right. <laughs> well, we will see if this positivity and these solid games by the Suns continue throughout the season. The next game is Saturday against the Nuggets. So we'll see how we're reacting to that next week. Um we Talked at the top of the show about getting into the Shy Gilders Alexander thing. But you know what? I feel like I feel too good about all the wonderful, happy stuff that we've spoken about in this episode. Doing that that I don't really want to get into it. <laughs> I frankly, well, I will get into it just briefly though, because I don't want to get myself all worked up and unhappy again. What Let Gambo had reported was that the Suns wanted to, McDonough's preference was to trade to get Shy Gilders Alexander. We had tweeted at Gambo from our at NBA at fan fan the flames NBA account asking if the same package that the Suns used to get Mikhail Bridges could have been used to also obtain Shy Gilgis Alexander and Gambo said it could have and you know from my perspective and apparently McDonough was vetoed by Robert Sarver that gets into what we talked about with Sarver over the past few weeks and the meddling and whatnot but I, as I've said before, I'm not one that really has a whole lot of bad things. Maybe the one person in Phoenix who remains a fan of Robert Sarver's, but when you have a chance to trade for a top 10 player in terms of the draft class, depending on whose analysis you were looking at, known to be one of the top point guard prospects who's a long athletic point guard. Defensive skills. And you say no to get Mikhail Bridges, and that's no dis- disrespect to Mikhail Bridges. He but could end up wings. being a fine player, but we have a lot of wings, and there was a need for a point guard. My suspicion is that Sarver didn't want another young, young point guard. He wanted a more established guy, and that, at least to a certain extent, explains why you go with Bridges, a four-year player, as opposed to SGA, a one-and-done. Um, but at any rate, that's really all that I wanted to say about that. I think it's a bummer that we didn't get him. But if the Suns continue to perform like this and down the line, at some point they're going to have to get a point guard. Well, presumably, unless they keep shooting 56% from three-point range. But if they keep playing like this and remain competitive, then us not getting Shy Gilgis Alexander, I guess I'll live with. But it's still a bummer to me. Oh, you'll live with it either way. Yeah, I'll live with it in a less unhappy state. How about that? I agree with that. All right. Any final thoughts or comments, Paul? Basketball is back. And you know that I'll never be whack. 
Did you just make that up? No. Is that I don't know what's that from? I see. I don't pay. <laughs> I don't know stuff, man. Um, it's an old nineteen eighties rap song by the Fat Boys. Okay, well, and I, it was I changed the words. Okay, so so you did make it up, kind, <laughs> kind of. of. I took the melody. You you weird Al Yankovic it. The only words I changed was from the bat. The fat boys are back to basketball is back. Well, yeah, so you, we were Al Yankovic did. I'll go with that still. Yeah. All right. So, but it still ag- can never be whack. Again, like we said at the top of the episode, you can follow us on Twitter, tweet at us, whatever it is you may want to do. Block us. I, I'm block us, sure. Um, Please don't. I, I'm, I'm at so says Jay. Hey, Eric Bledsoe is still the only one that's ever blocked me. Uh, I am is the at, only one I know of. <laughs> I am at so says Jay and Paul. At Dervish of World. And the podcast is at Fan the Flames NBA. As we always say in closing, folks, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. And the baby gotta love me.